0: Welcome to this uh, class. Welcome Sakirati, Shamananda, welcome Saragrahi. welcome Ananga Manjari, and welcome Braja Sundari. I'm very happy to be here in your company today. Um, Today's host, today's uh, uh, topic is serving the Bhagavata. Andeham Sri Guru Sri Yuta Parakamalam Sri Guru Maishnamamscha. Sri Rupam Sagrajatam Sahagana Ragnatam Vitaam Tam Sajeevam. Sadvaitam Zavadutam Parijanasahitam Krishna Chaitanya Devam. Sri Radha Krishna Padan Sahagana Lalita Sri Vishakhan Vitaam Scha. Um Chakshurun me litam yena, tasmai sri gravin maha. Munchapal potrubias chakrapaas indubia evacha. Patitanam bavani biovishna bionamon maha. Namo mahaveranyaya, Krishna prima prodieti. krishnaya Krishna chaitan, and amene मैं <clears throat> <clears throat> Krishna Guranas in Dodi, Namando Jagat Pate, Upe Shagupiko नमस्तुते Vishapanu Pranamami, Hare, Priraya, Krishna, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna, Hare Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare ram hare ramo ram ramo hari hari hare er nama hare er nama hare er nayamayi vak kewalam kalonaasthye vaasthye vaasthye gatiranyatha so again to about this welcome to today's class welcome Krishna Kumari who's also joined us
1: i'm very lucky to be here with you
0: today it's always a lucky day when you get to, to associate with Vaishnavas, but uh, today is a particularly lucky day because today is a very saint uh,
1: uh, a day filled with sanctity.
0: Today is a Kādashi, the day of Hari Krishna's favorite day of all the days of the lunar cal- calendar. Ekadashi, as, as I'm sure we all know, uh, comes 11 days after the full moon and the new moon, 11 lunar days after that. And there are, are fairly complicated ways how to calculate which day is, is Ekadashi. Uh, but in general, we can say like 11 days after full moon and after new moon. Today is the Ekadashi known as Pashankusha Ekadashi. Every Ekadashi probably you've noticed on the calendar, has a particular name. Pashankusha, or sometimes called Papankusha, uh, <clears throat> Ekadashi. Uh, uh, it's one of the last ekadashis of the year. We have a few more to go. Pashankusha means a hook of a rope. So we could call it the lasso Ekadashi or something like this. Uh, the Uh, The uh, implication is that this is a a rope by which we will catch hold of the personality of of Sin, Papa, and pull him by the neck away from us and away from each other. Because Hekadeshi, like any of the Vaishnava celebrations, uh, is a celebration that we do together with others. That's why I'm so happy to be here together with all of you on Ekadashi, having the the opportunity to to speak and hear about Krishna on this holy day.
1: Uh, There are are,
0: are books that contain stories about the different Ekadeshis. These stories are usually given within the the Puranic Shangar called Mahatmya. Mahatmya means greatness. Literally, that's what Mahatmya means, greatness. And and Mahatmyas are parts of of many Puranas. And Mahatmyas, what they do is they describe a particular holy place or a particular holy observance. Um, And then they also describe what happens when you visit that holy place or when you perform that observance. And the descriptions are always in very... Um, hyperbolic terms so every single place is the most holy place in the three worlds and every single Ekadashi is every single observance is the most powerful observance that there is similarly with these Ekadashis this Ekadashi is the best of all Ekadashis and that Ekadashi is also the best of all Ekadashis So this is the style of these texts. And they often contain stories as well. These kind of short, simple, often quite humorous stories about uh, how a particular place became uh, 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 a sanctified place or how it became so powerful. Or perhaps uh, how people in the past have benefited from these places or these observances. One of the Puranas which contains many of these stories is the Brahma Vaivarta Purana. And uh, there are several editions of books about the that contain uh, these stories about the different Kadeshis. Unfortunately for us, Pashankushai Kadeshi is described in the Brahma Vaivarta Purana, but it doesn't have a cool story unlike practically all the other Akadashis. So so (laughs) we're unlucky in this way. But there is a story I found somewhere online, just kind of the bare kernel of a story of a a hunter who lived in the Vindhya Hills in, in South India, and his name was Krodhaka, basically means the cruel one and uh, hunters i mean they can have different kind of images in different cultures Um, in in north america the, the trappers they are kind of the forerunners of civilization and so on and hunters can have kind of a romantic aspect in other cultures as well in india hunters are the worst if you want to describe a really bad person then you just have to say that he's a hunter. So this Krodaka, he's this typical hunter. He he not only he kills animals, he also robs people, he murders them, he does all kinds of, of, of terrible things. Until Yamaraj is tired of him and goes to pick him up. But then when he sees Yamaraj coming, for some reason he 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 recognizes that Yamaraj is coming. He runs to the local temple, the temple of Padmanabha, Vishnu, and asks for help. And Padmanabha Vishnu tells him, uh, if you want to be freed from the fear of death, then you should observe Pāshankusha Ekadashi. You should fast during the day. You should stay awake during the night, singing Kirtan and reading the scriptures and doing puja and things like that. Uh, and then all of your sins will go away. So he does that. And lo and behold, all his sins are wiped away, and uh, uh, he goes to Vaikuntha after he dies. <laughs> so it's one of these kind of strange stories about how a Qadashi can take away anything bad from our lives. and. Uh, the point is actually true. In the Haribhakti Vilasa, uh, Sanatan Goswami uh, writes extensively about the Kaddashi in the uh, 12th, 13th chapters. And one of the points that he makes is that the Kaddashi does remove sin. But Sanatana Goswami says, that's not why Vaishnavas observe Ekadashi. That may be why ordinary people observe Ekadashi. Like this hunter, he was scared of going to hell. So he did Ekadashi. Very good. But the reason why Vaishnavas observe Ekadashi is Hari because they know that Ekadashi is a day that is dear to Hari, dear to Krishna. So by observing Ekadashi, they are increasing their devotional activities. It's not that they're doing something different on a Kadashi that they're not doing on other days. They do exactly the same things, but maybe a little bit more. So they chant maybe a little bit more. They read more. They increase their devotional activities, not because they are afraid of Yamaraja, not because they want to go to heaven, but because they want to please Krishna. They know that whatever that is done on this day is particularly dear to Krishna. So uh, uh, we're lucky to be here together on, on, on a kardeshi, pārshankusha Ekadeshi. This class I've entitled Serving the Bhagavata. My previous classes uh, <clears throat> in this series have all been about the Srimad Bhagavatam. I've spoken about the, the greatness of the Srimad Bhagavatam, the speciality of the Srimad Bhagavatam, I've also spoken about some of the obstacles of the Srimad Bhagavatam. And uh, I've tried to illuminate the Bhagavatam from different uh, uh, angles of vision. There's a famous verse in the Srimad Bhagavatam that says, Bhakti, Bhavati Naishtiki. By regular service to the Bhagavata, almost all of the inuspicious things of the heart will, will be removed. And Bhakti will be established in, this, in the self as an irrevocable fact. This is more or less Prabhupada's translation. Nityam Bhagavata Sevaya, by constant or uninterrupted or regular service to the Bhagavata. Bhakti will become Naishtiki, Nishta, or steady, a kind of steady devotion will, will arise in us. Bhagavata Seva, service to the Bhagavata, means, of course, uh, serving the Bhagavata in any way that we can. It means copying the Bhagavata. It means doing puja to the Bhagavata. We can, Like we see in India, many devotees are doing before they, they start class. They will, will offer incense to the book. They might put the tulsi leaf with some chandan at the beginning of the book. Uh, it can also mean reading the Srimad Bhagavata. That's also one way of serving the Bhagavatam, to read the Bhagavatam with feeling, to read the Bhagavatam with faith and, and uh, with the effort to understand the meaning of the Srimad Bhagavatam. But of course, as I'm sure we all know, Bhagavata seva can also mean service to the person Bhagavata. Bhagavata means uh, something that is related to Bhagavan or Bhagavata. So Bhagavata can mean the book that is related to Bhagavan, that is the Shreman, the Bhagavata or the Bhagavata Purana. Or Bhagavata can also mean the person that is a devotee of Bhagavan, so the Vaishnava. In ancient texts, Vaishnavas are often called Bhagavatas. Uh, the Srimad Bhagavatam also uses this term quite often. Instead of speaking about Vaishnavas, it speaks about Bhagavatas. So, Nityam Bhagavata Sevaya means by regular, uninterrupted, constant service to the Bhagavata Purana or to the person Bhagavata. Almost all of the inauspicious things of the heart will be cleansed away and firm devotion to the Lord. Uh, uh, Uttamashloka, the, the lord of, of that is, is praised with the highest uh, poems, will be established. And one way of serving the Bhagavata, the person Bhagavata, is glorifying the Bhagavata. Uh, we may not feel that we are very uh, qualified to do personal service to, to Bhagavatas, We may be far away from other Bhagavatas. We may live in a city where we just have a few other Vaishnavas and we're not even always able to to, to meet those. But one thing that we can do is we can constantly try to glorify the Vaishnavas. And again, we are very lucky because not only is this Pāshankusha Ekadashi, I'm not 100% sure about your locations, but at least here in Finland, we have Pashankushaikadashi today. But we also have something very special today, at least here in Finland. We had a disappearance day of three wonderful Bhagavatas. So I will try to glorify these Bhagavatas by speaking about them today. Today is the disappearance day of Ragunath Bharta Goswami, Ragunath Dasa Goswami, and Krishna Das Kaviraj Goswami. So three Goswamis have their uh, disappearance day today. Sometimes these three Goswamis are called the Tin Goswami or the Teen Goswami, just means three Goswamis in Bengali. But they also have uh, a joint Samadhi monument at Radakund. So, if we were even a little bit more lucky than we are. We could be there at Radhakund and we could go to the the Samadhi and we could roll in the dust there. At least we can do that mentally, imagining ourselves rolling in the dust by these uh, three Goswami Samadhis. Let's begin with Ragunath Bhatta Goswami. Raghunath Bhatta Goswami is one of the six Goswamis of Vrindavan. Ragunath Bhatta Goswami is among the six Goswamis, the one that we know the least about. I'm still waiting for my colleagues in the natural sciences to finally come up with the time machine. And as soon as they do, uh, I'm hoping to jump into the time machine and go back to the time of the Goswamis and get to know Raghunath Bhatta Goswami. Because whatever we know about him is wonderful but it would be no, so much nice to know more about him. He's one of these persons that you really get the feel that we don't know enough. Raghunath Bhattagoswami uh, was the son of Tapan Mishra. Tapan Mishra uh, was a Brahmin from East Bengal, living by the Padma River in East Bengal, today's Bangladesh. He met Mahaprabhu uh, when he was a young man he had a, he was wondering about the big questions of life he didn't find manage to find any good answers and then he had a dream that he should go to this place nearby and there he would meet a great scholar and a great saint who would be able to answer all of his his questions so he did so and he met Mahaprabhu, who wasn't really Mahaprabhu yet, he was Nimai Pandit still he was still in his his, uh, Grihastha Ashram still married to his first wife he had gone to East Bengal on a a tour to to teach and to to make money this is what Brahmins used to do they would go on these uh, teaching tours and collect donations so he was doing that and he met Tapan Mishra there and Tapan Mishra put all of his difficulties questions to Nimai Pandit and Nimai Pandit answered all of them but in this particular Lila he didn't behave like Nimai Pandit usually does. Nimai Pandit is usually this buffed up scholar who smashes the pride of everybody but here he took a very sweet and a Vaishnava style of presentation <coughs> this is still before his conversion into Vaishnavism but here he kind of showed some of, of,
1: of the things that were, were to come. He,
0: for example, taught Tapan Mishra the Maha Mantra. Sometimes devotees ask, Where is the Maha Mantra in Chaitanya Charitamrita? And the answer is simple it's nowhere. It's not even once mentioned in Chaitanya Charitamrita. But it is mentioned in the Chaitanya Bhagavat, which is older than the Chaitanya Charitamrita. it's mentioned in this particular context when Nimai Pandit is teaching Tapan Mishra. And Tapan Mishra was so uh, charmed by Nimai Pandit that he wanted to move to Navadvip to be able to stay with him forever. But Nimai Pandit said, no, I'm not going to. I will tell you a secret. I'm not going to stay in Navadvip forever. Instead, you should go to Varanasi. You should settle there. And one day I will come there. So he did so. Tapan Mishra and some other Vaishnavas, including Chandrasekhar they settled in Varanasi. And after many years, a Nimai Pandit came there this time as Mahaprabhu, Sri Krishna Chaitanya. And for two months, he stayed in, in, in Varanasi. He used to live in the house of Chandrasekhar but he would take his meals in Tapan Mishra's house. So for two months, Tapan Mishra got this association that he had been hankering for his whole life. And his son, Raghunath Bhatta, he got to serve uh, Mahaprabhu at that time. And he got so uh, enchanted by Mahaprabhu's uh, divine ecstasies and his his overflow of divine love that he went uh, to Jagannath Puri to stay with Mahaprabhu. He stayed there for, for a few months until uh, uh, mahaprabhu sent him back he said that that uh, i love you and i'm very happy that you came here but i want you to go back and take care of your parents they are old and they need your help last sunday we heard guru maharaj speak about how how when we are children our parents are our parents then they become our friends and then when we get then when they get older they become kind of our children again so so uh, it was his time now to take care of his, his parents, but taking care of him when he was a kid. So he did that for about four more years, he took care of his parents until, until they passed away. And then he came back to Jagannath Puri. And he stayed with Mahaprabhu there for, 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 for some more time until Mahaprabhu sent him to Vrindavan, to Rupan and Sanatan, Goswamis who were there already. In Vrindavan, Raghunath Bhatta did not write a single book. And that's why we don't know so much about him. He doesn't have the same kind of role as this kind of uh, literary uh, master of sampradaya. Instead, it is said that he did mainly two things in Vrindavan. One thing was something that he had done already in Jagannath Puri, Mahaprabhu's presence. Uh, or both were actually things that he had been pre- uh, trained to do there in Jagannath Puri. The first thing was cooking. Uh, when Rupa Goswami started worshipping Govinda Dev, it was Raghunath Bhatta who became the cook for Govinda Dev. So he used to cook for Govinda Dev every day and for all the Vaishnavas. And again, I would so much like to go with that time machine to, to see what kind of cooking he was doing. Because, of course, this was the time when Vrindavan was still very much undeveloped. So it probably wasn't any big feasts of of all of these kind of uh, wonderful preparations that we can read about in the scriptures. Probably it was quite simple things. But nevertheless, what kind of nectar it must have been. But Raghunath Goswami was, uh, like most cooks, a very artistic person. It's quite interesting that most people who are good cooks are also good with other kinds of of art. Uh, Raghunath Bhatta uh, was uh, also a very good reader of the Srimad Bhagavatam. We don't hear of him as a a theologian, uh, but he was a very good reader of the Srimad Bhagavatam. He could read it beautifully. He could, could chant the verses in four or five different melodies. Uh, he could also sing for Krishna. There's a, there's a temple in Vrindavan called the Bhattaji Mandir, which is maintained by a, a line of priests that are somehow connected with, with Raghunath Bhatta. I forget exactly how, but they they, they have that temple and uh, they maintain a tradition there of godyavation of, of music and singing that, that stems from Raghunath Bhatta. They also have a beautiful manuscript there of the Bhagavatam, uh, which they say was uh, the the very Bhagavatam that Mahaprabhu gave to Raghunath Bhatta when he went to Vrindavan. They say that Mahaprabhu gave him a copy of the, a handwritten copy of the Srimad Bhagavatam uh, that he would then use when he was reading to the other Goswamis. Unfortunately, that manuscript is quite evidently a uh, a fake, it's not 16th century, it's maybe hundred years old or, or something at most. But still the place is quite beautiful and the very fact that they maintain this tradition of Vaishnava of music uh, that Ragnar Bhatta also engaged in uh, is to me very beautiful.
1: The second of our three
0: persons today is the other ragunath, Ragunath Das Goswami? Sometimes these two are called the the, uh, the two raghus, Raghu Yuga, the two Raghus. Uh, ragunath Das Goswami, he is special among the, the six Goswamis, by being the only Goswami who was not a Brahmin by birth. All of the other six Goswamis are, are Brahmins, also Raghunath Bhatta Goswami. Raghunath Das was a Kayastha. Kayasthas. Uh, a Kayastha is a particular kind of case that is basically found only in Bengal. Kayasthas, Vaidyas. These are castes of people who, who uh, are technically Shudras, because in, in, in the Bengali Case system. There are only Brahmins and Shudras. There are no Kshatriyas or Vaishas. For for some reason, that's these are the only cases that are available there. Uh, so kayastas are Shudras, but they're kind of they think of themselves as being a little bit better than other Shudras. So they they kind of occupy some kind of middle space between Brahmins and <laughs> other kinds of Shudras, like Vaidyas. They sometimes wear the holy thread. They follow Brahminical rules in different ways. Uh, Raghunath Das was a kayastha but he was also very rich. His father was called Go- Govardhan Majumdar. And uh, his uncle was called Hiranya Majumdar. And these two uh, were landholders, or Jamidaris in a place called Saptagram. Saptagram in the 16th century, was the most important city in all of Bengal. Uh, at least when it comes to to trading, it was uh, uh, situated uh, on on uh, on the, the I forget the name of the river. Anyway, uh, <clears throat> all of Bengal is situated in a place which is filled with with rivers, distributaries of the Ganges. But since so much water is coming there every every year, and so much uh, uh, silt is coming all the way from the Himalayas, the landscape has changed a lot in 500 years. So Saptagrama, which was situated uh, very well in the 15th century, today is situated. It's still there, but it's a small place situated by a very small river that nobody could drive any boats up along. So, So the place has changed completely. But in those days, it was a booming market town. So these two uh, uh, brothers, Hiranya and Govardhan, they lived there. They were landholders. They were heavily invested in trade. They were also, like many of the the, uh, associates of Mahaprabhu, they were also uh, uh, heavily invested in uh, uh, politics of the day. They were supporters of the king of Bengal, uh, alauddin Shah, the the Muslim king of Bengal uh, in the of those days. Uh, we are kind of accustomed to hearing stories about uh, bad Muslims and and so on. But actually, most of the Vaishnavas of, of of uh, the 16th century in Bengal, they really liked this king. He was a good good king in many ways. Of course, later on he made war against Orissa and that wasn't too popular. But before that he was very popular with the Vaishnavas. And many Vaishnavas were were working <coughs> excuse me he were working for this king in different ways. Uh, many, many. Iranian and, and Govardhan they were tax collectors. Uh, they used to collect taxes for the king. And being a tax collector in those days was a very lucrative business because the system was that you would collect taxes uh, and then give the taxes to the king, but you got to keep something for yourself. Uh, and you got the commission. Today we will call these kind of people like mafia dons or something like that. But, but in those days, this was a standard procedure in, in, in many different places. So Hirani and Majum, and, and Gowalda Majumdar, they were, they were filthy rich. They were um, among the richest persons in Bengal of their, their day, especially since they had a special deal with the king. They would give all the taxes directly to the king. Mostly, these uh, uh, tax collectors had to give to another person who would then give to the king, and that person would also take some commission in between. So uh, uh, they, they had a special relationship with the king. They were very wealthy. And they were also Vaishnavas. They were supporters of Mahaprabhu. They helped arrange for marriages in the community. They, they paid for the devotees who went on, on pilgrimage. Very important householder devotees of Mahaprabhu. And uh, Ragunath Das was their son so he was set to inherit this big commercial uh, enterprise but uh, he wasn't interested since his childhood he had a very strong religious bent and he even he met Mahaprabhu when Mahaprabhu was in Shantipur on his way to Jagannath Puri he met him again when he came on his way to Vrindavan the first time So he met Mahaprabhu several times, and uh, he tried to run away from home to join Mahaprabhu. When he met Mahaprabhu, Mahaprabhu told him, don't be a crazy person. Why are you running away like that? Uh, Just stay at home, do your worldly duties, and think of Krishna. He gave a funny uh, example. He said, be like an unfaithful woman. That, uh, uh, and and uh, I, the idea is that a woman who has an affair with somebody else, uh, she will take care of her household duties even more carefully than others so that nobody will uh, suspect anything. So he said, be like this. Do your worldly duties extra well, but think of Krishna all the time in your heart. So he tried to do like this, raghunath does, but he couldn't. He couldn't. He was so uh, hungry for the association of the devotees. His parents were devotees, but he was so hungry for the the association of these uh, renunciant devotees, Mahaprabhu himself and his close uh, entourage of of devotees. Finally, he met Nityananda Prabhu. Uh, Nityananda Prabhu gave him the opportunity to serve the Vaishnavas. To make a big festival, and this uh, is one of the most important teachings of this story. He got the opportunity to serve the devotees, and when he heard, when he did, he did immediately. He did everything he could. And Nityananda told him make a simple uh, festival, just uh, 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 distribute some some uh, uh, flattened rice, chipped rice and yogurt and some fruits kind of simple things Uh, but he did so on a very huge scale and he also he 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 added some sweets and and uh, uh, you can go and you can listen to some of Guru Maharaj's just talks about this festival some he he gave talks on this festival many times in years gone by and he described it in, in very beautiful ways one of my favorite things that Guru Maharaj often mentions about this festival that Raghunath does put on for the Vaishnavas is that when local people heard that he's doing this festival, they they tried to cash in on the festival. So they would they put up these uh, stalls just outside the festival ground where they would sell things to the persons coming to the festival. So kind of in a in a calculative way, like, like using Raghunath Das' as festival for their own game. And what did Raghunath Das do? He went to those stalls and he bought everything and distributed to the Vaishnavas. <laughs> I think this is such an inspiring way that he didn't care that these people are kind of trying to piggyback on his thing. He just used whatever they were doing for the service of the Vaishnavas. So he did this, this festival. It's still con- commemorated. It's the day after the uh, Bhima Ikadashi in the spring or early summer. It's called the Pani Hati Chira Dahi festival. Chira Doi means uh, uh, chipped rice and yogurt. So that's the main preparation for this festival. And Nityananda Prabhu was very happy with him. So he blessed him that you will attain very soon the company of Mahaprabhu. And this is what happened. Raguna Das was always trying to find an opportunity to run away. His parents would always catch him and bring him back. But this time, uh, he was he was uh, 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 he was always co- surrounded by guards and other people to make sure that he doesn't go somewhere. but uh, 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 Yadunanda who was the family priest of the Majumdars. He came to him one, one night and told him that, Raghunath, I need your help. That uh, one of my disciples, who is a priest in one temple, he has gone away. He has, he has blooped, basically. He's he's left his service and he has gone away. Can you come and speak with him? Because he likes you. So try to tell him to, to come back and take up his service. We are in trouble because he's run away like that. So Ragunatha immediately realized, aha, maybe this is my chance. So he said to all the others, yeah, yeah, you have to go with Yadunandan Acharya. And they were like, oh, yes, yes, let's go with Guruji. So he went with Yadunandan Acharya. And then on the way he said, actually, I think, uh, I think it would be less awkward for this disciple if I would just go on, on my own. If you also come, Guruji, then... Then he would be, feel pressured and um, there might be some uh, anxiety and so on. I'll just go on my own and speak with him. And Yadrannanda Nacari said, yes, yes, good idea. Yeah, let's do like this. So he went on his own. And immediately when Yadrannanda Acharya was out of sight, he turned his steps and he went away. And this was the time when the devotees were going for Ratha So he knew he could go and join Shivananda Sena and the other devotees going to Jagannath Puri. But he knew if he would do that, he would immediately be found. So instead, he went on his back ways. He went to Jagannath Puri, but on his own. For, for, uh, uh, I forget how many days, maybe 10 days or 12 days, (coughs) he walked from Bengal to Jagannath Puri, stopping to eat just for a few times, uh, sleeping just a little bit in some ditch here and there uh, until finally he came to Jagannath Puri. and Mahaprabhu was very very happy to meet him he said my friend you have escaped from the deep latrine of family life this is very fun for us Grihastas, to hear you have escaped from the deep latrine of family life and the worst thing is that this family life that he had escaped from was from Vaishnava family life. His parents were Vaishnavas. His, his father was a Vaishnava and his uncle was a Vaishnava. But the reason why Mahaprabhu said like this was not really because he didn't like Hiramiyangu Vardhan. He did, he loved them very much. But for Raghunath Das, this was not the right place to be. He never told Hiramiyangu Vardhan to take sannyas or become babajis or something like this but Ragunath das was not in the right place his heart was with Mahaprabhu. he couldn't take up the service of the grihastha ashram he needed to have a different kind of service so for him the grihastha ashram was a deep well of attachment uh, we know the story Raghunath Das he stayed with Mahaprabhu for many years. I think he stayed with him for 16 years in Jagannath Puri. Mahaprabhu gave him to Swarup Damodar because there were uh, he had many people who wanted to be with him and he couldn't kind of uh, take care of them all. So he would kind of give different devotees to senior devotees to, to, to take care of. And they, the younger devotees would serve the senior devotees and senior devotees would teach the younger devotees. So, Raghunath Das was given to Swarup Damodar, and he was called uh, Sharupir Raghu, Sharup Saru, Damodar's ragu, Ragunath, uh, because there were other Raghunaths in, in uh, <coughs> Jagannath Puri at the same time. And uh, he learned everything from Swarup Damodar. Uh, uh, he lived a very austere life there in Jagannath Puri. At first, he when his parents finally got to know that he had come there to the Ganadpuri, um, they wanted to bring him back, but when they realized he would not come and he already, already had come there to Mahaprabhu, so said couldn't kind of just take him back like they had done before. So they finally gave up and they thought, okay, maybe he needs to be there. And they would send him servants and they would send him money and he wouldn't accept it, but he would accept the money and with the money he would make feasts for Mahaprabhu. Uh, I think maybe on Dvadashi every twice a month or something like that. But then after a while, he started to think, no, this money is from, from materialists. Uh, and again, remember, this is Vaishnavas the money is coming from. But he thought that these Vaishnavas were kind of materialists. So it's better that I don't give this money to Mahaprabhu. This, this uh prasadam that has been made with this materialistic money that would be contaminating. So he stopped doing that and Mahaprabhu was very happy when he heard it. So he always encouraged his renunciation. Then he started begging for his sustenance outside of the Singhadvara door, outside the Mandir, the temple of Jagannath. Uh, When the Pujaris would come out of the temple in the evening, they would give some some Prasadam to Vaishnava standing outside of the gate, and uh, he would get something, and he would live on that. But then, after a while, he started to think that this is a waste of time. I have to stand there and wait for such a long time. And uh, in that time, I could do do uh, some some Seva instead. So instead, he used to he he stopped doing that, and he he would go to an almshouse. In the middle of the day, and just accept some very simple prasadam there. And at some point, he even stopped doing that, and he would just take some, some of the thrown away prasadam that even the the local cows thought was was too disgusting to eat. But he would take that, and he would wash it with some some water, and he would eat that. You know, Mahaprabhu heard about that. He 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 went to him, and he said, "Oh, raghu. What is it that you're eating? What kind of nectar are you having? And he took some, took some of it from Raghunath's hand and ate it himself, like it was some huge nectar. And he was even going to take another piece, but then Damodar stopped him and said, "No, no, my lord, this is, is, is not for you." So Mahaprabhu really encouraged his this intensive tapasya, intensive uh, renunciation, uh, because he. Raghunath Das, he had the the inclination for this, and more importantly, all of this renunciation made him more and more Krishna conscious. It didn't make him puffed up, it didn't make him hard-hearted, it just made him more and more Krishna conscious. This, of course, is the whole meaning of, of renunciation in Gaudiya Vaishnavism, it's supposed to make us more Krishna conscious. Less Netflix conscious, less uh, whatever conscious and more Krishna conscious. If it doesn't work like that, then that's not Krishna conscious renunciation. Then it is what Bhakti Siddhanta and Rupa Goswami call palguvairagya, or false renunciation. Raghunathas' renunciation was never like that. Eventually, after Mahaprabhu and his closest associates, such as Varupa Damodar, left this world, uh, Ragunath Das fell into a, a, a deep kind of depression and he was considering ending his own life. And he went to Vrindavan thinking to jump off Govardhan Hill and, and uh, uh, end his life. But Rupan Sanatan they they encouraged him and, and made him realize that this was not a Vaishnava thing to do. So instead he took up residence uh, in Vraja, eventually at, at in Arid or, or Radha Kund. And uh, Raghunath Das was, was the one who really developed radha into a Gaudiya Vaishnava holy place. Uh, it was during his time that radha was was excavated from the kind of natural pond that it was in those days into a, a kund. Not as large as the one that we see today, but still a, 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 a kind of half-artificial kund. And he spent most of his days there in Radha and that's where his Samadhi is also. Uh, Raghunath Das uh, is famous also in Vrindavan for his austerities, even to such an extent that the other other Goswamis would sometimes tell him off. Like he would sit in the afternoon sunlight, meditating on Radha Krishna's leelas, And the sun was so heavy on his head that Radharani herself had to come and with her shawl kind of uh, shade him from from the sun. And when Rupan Goswami saw that, they told off Raghunath Das that you can't live in such a way that you force Radha to serve you. We are supposed to serve Radha. So then he let uh, people make a a bhajankuttir for him. There's also a story <coughs> about Vittalnat. Vittalnat was the son of, of, uh, of Vallabhacharya, another great Vaishnava of this period. And Vittalnat, he had his uh, headquarters at Govardhan. And he was good friends with Raghunath Das. This was still the time before these two sampradayas kind of went in different directions. So Raghunath Das, he's mentioning Vittalnat in some of his writings. And Nital not loved Raghunath Das. And once when Raghunath Das was sick, he sent a doctor to, to look after him. And the doctor said that this Babaji is sick because he's been eating too much uh, 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 sweet rice. And everybody was like, come on, that's impossible. Raghunath Das, he's eating like half a chapati every Ekadashi, no, not an Ekadashi, every Dvadashi he's eating half of a chapati or something like that. Like he's eating practically nothing. And you're saying that he's sick because he's eaten too much sweet rice. That's impossible. What kind of doctor are you? But Raghunath with a feeble voice, he said, oh, it's actually true that I was serving yesterday (coughs) Radha and Krishna in my mind. And then after they had eaten, I had their Mahaprasadam. And that's why I got sick because I ate too much of it. So he... (laughs) He got sick from eating too much in his mind. Uh, This says something about what kind of Vaishnava he was, that his meditation was more real than his, uh, so to speak, real life. Uh, Ragnar Das uh, was the only one of the Goswamis who was not a Brahmin, but he was well-educated nevertheless, and he wrote three books. He didn't write any theology <coughs> he was not a teacher <coughs> excuse me he was not a teacher in the same way as rupa sanatan and jiva goswami but he did write three books one of them is is not really a book it's more like a collection of prayers the stava avali collection of prayers and ashtakas and poems <coughs> And then there's two books called Charita, Mukta Charita and Dhanakeli Charita. Charita means story. So these books are, are Alila books, story
1: books. Thank you.
0: Mukta Charita means the pearl story. And it tells the story of how how oh, Krishna fools the, the gopis into planting pearls, thinking that they will grow into pearl bushes with more pearls growing on them. And uh, <clears throat> the Dhanakeli Charita speaks about the Dhanakeli or the tall leela when, when Krishna and the gopis fight about uh, paying toll. So these kind of like funny books, really. Both of them, which I think is really nice to think about that this strict and austere Raghunath Das, uh, who's sitting there and eating half a chapati every two weeks or something like that, he actually had a great sense of humor. When he is thinking about Radha and Krishna, he's thinking about Radha and Krishna in very kind of, we could almost call, or we could call transcendentally erotic way. He's very much invested into. Parakya Bhava and Manjari Seva and all of these things. But also he's so much relishing humor. So both these Mukta Charita and Dhanakeri Charita, they're all like totally hilarious texts, Uh, really kind of bringing a a light side to to all of these things that we're speaking about. The third person that we're celebrating today is Krishnadas Kaviraj Goswami. Uh, he's not one of the six Goswamis, but he's sometimes counted among the, the eight Goswamis of Vrindavan, together with Lokanath Goswami and the six Goswamis. He was also from Bengal. One of the six Goswamis is not from Bengal, uh, <clears throat> Gopal Bhatta Goswami, but all the others are from Bengal. <clears throat> even Raghunath Bhatta, even though he was born in 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 Varanasi, his parents were from Bengal. So Krishna Lasi was also from Bengal, from Bardaman. Uh, he tells his own story in brief in, in Chaitanya Charitamrita, how he had a dream of Nityananda in his youth. He went to Vrindavan. And he's mentioned in the texts of the Goswamis already from around maybe 1540.
1: He's mentioned, in, for example, in the Haribhakti Vilasa
0: in the beginning, together with Rupa and Sanatam. So, so he was there quite early. He came there as a young man. And uh, he got the title of Kaviraj or Kavibhupati uh, quite early in his life. And he got this title for uh, a book called Govindalila Amrita. Govindalila Amrita is based on a series of verses by Rupa Goswami, that delineates the eight uh, daily lila's, or the, the the eight periods of the daily lila of Radha and Krishna. Rupa Swami has written these very kind of terse verses, and Krishna Das then expands all of that into a big book, written in very uh, kind of uh, uh, sophisticated and quite uh, artful Sanskrit, uh, with lots of different uh, literary devices. Uh, Kind of hard to read, but also very masterful. And he describes all of these lilas in great detail. And for example, all the persons mentioned by Krishna uh, by Rupa Goswami in, in Radha Krishna Ganodesha Deepika, there uh, Rupa Goswami he goes through all these different persons in the vila. He mentions that there is this hairdresser, there is this person, there is that person. All of those persons are in Govinda Lila So Krishna Das he really brings to life the Leela that Rupa Goswami is just kind of hinting at. Uh, Krishnadas wrote that book uh, quite early in his life. And the amazing thing is that he got this title of Raja, the king of poets. Imagine if Guru Maharaj would give me that brigupad, From now on, everybody should call you Kaviraja. I would get so puffed up. My head would like balloon into like a huge watermelon. Uh, <clears throat> but Das did not. Das uh, always remained uh, a very humble devotee. Uh, and that's one of the most important to me uh, lessons of Krishnadas' life. He is this person who gets lots of recognition already in his youth. But he doesn't let it distract him. He remains there in Vrindavan, serving the Vaishnavas, uh, studying from Raghunath Das. Raghunath Das was his main teacher in Vrindavan. Raghunath Das, who was the only non-Brahmin among the Goswamis. So Raghunath Das, he functioned as a, as a guru, as a Shiksha guru, <clears throat> without being a Brahmin. and. Practically everything in the charitamrita that Krishna Das writes about Mahaprabhu, um, when it comes to these things that haven't been covered in the earlier biographies, the, the last part of Mahaprabhu's life in Jagannath Puri, it's all from Raghunath Das. It's all from Raghunath Das. So Krishna Das in his charitamrita he's really taking the teachings that he's gotten from his gurus and putting them into the Bengali language. Because, of course, the Chaitanya Charitamrita is what we really know Krishna Das from. <clears throat> he wrote the Chaitanya Charitamrita in his old age. He lived to about 100 years old or something like that. And he wrote the Chaitanya Charitamrita in the beginning of the 17th century when all of the other Goswamis had already passed away, uh, except Jiva Goswami. So, so uh, uh, he, he condensed into that book everything that he had learned about Mahaprabhu, but also everything that he had learned from the different Goswamis, their theology, the theology of Jiva Goswami, Rupa Goswami, Sanatana Goswami. And he put that into the story of Mahaprabhu's life. So through Mahaprabhu's life, he's telling the whole theology of the, of the Gaudiya Vaishnava school, and he's presenting all of these things in such a masterful way that the Chaitanya Charitamrita becomes what one uh, leading Vaishnava uh, <clears throat> or, or scholar of, of Gaudiya Vaishnavism, Tony Stewart, calls the final word. That the Chaitanya Charitamrita becomes the final word on who Mahaprabhu really is. So it's a hugely influential text in our Gaudiya Vaishnava. Sampradaya. <clears throat> it, it kind of sets the standard for how to understand Mahaprabhu and also for how to understand the teachings of the Goswamis. So we are so inde- indebted to Krishna Das Kaviraj uh, for the Govinda Lilamrita, but even more for the Chaitanya Charitamrita. The Chaitanya Charitamrita became <clears throat> a very popular text in Bengal. In it's probably The the one text that is found in most manuscripts all over Bengal, there are literally thousands of manuscripts of the Chetan and So it was read widely all over Bengal. And uh, it really kind of created this kind of of, uh, uh, orthodox presentation of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Just like with the other Goswamis, Krishnadas also had a more playful side to him. Krishna Das was an intensely artistic person, like we can see from his Govinda Lilamrita. And what did I just say about artists? Artists are often also good cooks. And it seems to have been the same with Krishna Das because he's very interested in food in his books, both in the Govinda Lilamrita in his youth and also in the <clears throat> Chaitanya Charitamrita in his old age. There are so many descriptions of, of feasts in these books. And almost uh, like recipes, even for, for what kind of, of things they were eating. In uh, the Antialila of the Chaitanya for example, you can read about Damayanti's bag. There's this one Vaishnavi who used to send uh, food to Mahaprabhu <clears throat> to Jagannath Puri every year. She would make these kind of like uh, preserves and 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 candies and things that would last for a long time like candied ginger and and uh, 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 these kind of syrup balls with spices and things like that and she would send that in a in a special bag to mahaprabhu every year and krishna das describes all of those things in great detail and you really become hungry when you read it and, and especially if you have a <clears throat> Bit of a cold like I'm I'm having right now. I, I really would like to have Damayanti's bag here somewhere nearby. So in this way, uh, we can meditate and 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 think of and and glorify these Bhagavatas on a day like this. These three wonderful Bhagavatas who have all had their own role to play in the development of the Gaudiya Vaishnava Sampradaya and. Uh, If we can make this kind of glorification of the Bhagavata, this kind of service of the Bhagavata into a a, a regular affair, then just as the Srimad Bhagavatam tells us, then we can look forward to almost all of the inauspicious things of the heart being cleansed away and bhakti being established in the heart as an irrevocable fact. Thank you all, dear devotees. Any questions or comments
1: before ending for today?
2: Thank you for the Vaishnav um, Katha. I just had a question that that came up that just came to mind when you mentioned the. Uh, Vaishnavas working for this uh, Muslim king um, and and that was just um, that, that I, I remember reading you know how, how those Vaishnavas uh, couldn't later on visit the, the temple in Jagannath Puri because they were they were, had been in touch um, with with the Muslims or, or like worked in the government but how do you think at that time um they would be recognized as such like if they would come and try to enter the temple uh how would people see that they, oh these have been working in the muslim government were they just that famous or 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 they just wouldn't try to enter
0: well who <laughs> would be an example of such a devotee
2: <clears throat> rupa sanatan haridas thakur
0: well that's that we have two different uh, categories here <clears throat> and it's important also to note that none of these tried to enter the temple and then were banned from entering it. I think. Uh, Haridas, he didn't even try to enter it because he was Muslim by birth. He was Muslim. So he himself thought that I'm not qualified to enter the temple. Maybe they would have recognized him, the guards, and said that, that you're not uh, allowed. <clears throat> we have no idea of knowing because he didn't try. Mm. Same with Rupan Sanatan, but the reason for why they did not enter the temple was not that they had worked for the Muslim government. We sometimes hear that in modern sources, but it's not mentioned like that in any ancient sources. <clears throat> and there are many others who certainly entered the temple uh, again and again who had been working for the Muslim government. Uh, uh, Shivananda Sena and others who, who were in different ways connected with the the government. Um, the reason for why Rupa and Sanatan did not enter the temple was that they considered themselves fallen. Sanatan Goswami says uh, <clears throat> that he belongs to a Nietzsche Jati. He belongs to a fallen, uh, he he's fallen by birth. this does this means, Not that he's fallen because something he has done, but he's fallen because of something that his ancestors have done. And we don't know exactly what that refers to. Uh, Scholars have speculated in different ways, and and it may be that uh, uh, one of his ancestors had uh, done something that had compromised his caste. Perhaps he had uh, been a drunkard or perhaps... uh, uh, perhaps he has an un- ancestor who had converted to Islam, for example. There may be something like this, but uh, <clears throat> uh, Joseph O'Connell, uh, a scholar of Gaudiya Vaishnavism, who passed away maybe 10 years or so, or so ago, he has an article that you can you can look up and, and read about these Vaishnavas who worked for the Muslim government. And there were many. There are actually no signs that any of these were discriminated against. On on religious uh, reasons, Mm -hmm. Uh, this is a later construction from a time when relationships between Hindus and Muslims uh, become more uh, problematic. So so and if you read, for example, if you read the Chaitanya Bhagavat, there's a whole uh, description about when Mahaprabhu comes to Bengal on his way to Vrindavan the first time. he doesn't meet with the king of Bengal, but the king of Bengal sends out his spies to find out who is this sadhu with so many followers, and they come to him with a, a description, and he says, "Oh, he's a great saint. Uh, you should make sure that nobody uh, does anything to him. He should be treated with great respect." And uh, and he's basic. He's all. He's saying, I think, if I remember correctly, he says that he is God. Mm-hmm. So. Vaishnavas in those days, they thought that this king was almost like a Vaishnava. Mm -hmm. They really saw him as a good king, even though he was Muslim. And uh, I'm mentioning this because uh, just to kind of nuance this picture that we have of, 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 of evil, demonic Muslim kings. It's not always so black
1: and white like that. Thank you.
0: Again, dear devotees, thank you for attending. Thank you, Ananga Manjari, for translating. Jai, Shishi, Guru Gauranga, Dabhika, okay. Giridari, Shishi, Radha, Madhan, Mohan, Radha, Gubinatha, Radha, Dama, Radha, Shama, Swindara, Radha, Dama, Ki, Jai. Jai, Yamsubhad, Parang, Suparar, Raj, Kacharya, Shishimad, Bhaktivedanta, Dribar, Rigo, Swava, Raj, La, Ki, Jai. Jai Guru Paramparaki Jai Jai Raghunath Bhatta ki Jai Jai Raghunath Das ki Jai Jai Shla Krishna Das Kavrat Goswami ki Jai Jai Anandu Godavai Shnand ki Jai Bhuvan Mangal and Sankittam ki Jai Gaur Prema Nande Hari Hari Bo
2: Shri Manbrikupad Prabhu ki Jai Jai,
0: jai Gaur Bhaktur Indi ki
1: Jai Hari See you all soon